Amen. Good evening. It's a great uh, privilege for us to be here. It's our first time in uh, British Columbia. I've been to Ontario and we have support in Canada from Alberta, but uh, it's our first time to British Columbia, uh, this part of Canada. But I feel like I've been a Canadian ever since I've been married. And you, those from the Philippines, will understand because I always hear, Magluto Kanajan. Magplancha Kanajan. Magsain Kanajan. Kanajan in Filipino means you do that there. And I always hear that from my wife telling me uh, things to do. But uh, so I feel like I've been a Kanadian, uh, you know, uh, ever since being married. But it's our great uh, privilege to be here. I love the theme for the conference. Uh, why stand ye here idle? Boy, we need a burden. Amen. Uh, we heard that in the great video there from Adoniram Judson and his testimony. We need to be moved for, with the mission of God. So that being said, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, tonight to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Amen. I'm get, is, this, uh, is this available for me here? It's not, the song leader didn't drink out of there? Amen. Awesome. I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Now, I look here at Matthew chapter 9 as, uh, in my mind, it's the first missions conference. Okay? Because you have the church, which was established, we know, during the Lord's earthly ministry, which they are first commissioned for the great gospel work here in Matthew chapter 9. A vision is set before them. So if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, we'll look there at chapter 9, verse 35. Now we, we will read down into chapter 10 because these are familiar verses, but we'll get a bit more of the story tonight. So keep your Bibles open if you would with me. Verse 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his, unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples he gave them power let's pray dear lord heavenly father we thank you so much for the privilege to be in your house lord on a thursday night to show lord the great importance of missions lord i thank you for this church uh lord a great lighthouse and pillar of the truth in this community lord and around the world through missions we pray that you would revive our hearts once again for the great mission of God. Give us that burden, Lord, as we've already heard tonight. Uh, we are seeking you, Lord. We are seeking you for the burden uh, because in the great work of God, we either have a burden or we become a burden. Show us that truth, Lord, here in the scriptures. Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Move in our midst. We ask you these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, Albert Einstein, the famous scientist, uh, known for his equation, E equals MC squared. Uh, I know the E means energy. The MC part, I forgot. Uh, if it's up to me, it stands for Mission Conference. Amen? Uh, but uh, I think it's mass, speed of light, something. But he said this in regards to that. He said, nothing happens until something moves. Nothing happens until something moves. Surely nothing happens in the work of God with any lasting measure, with any measure of God's power, unless there is a burden. Now here in Matthew chapter 
9, beginning in chapter 4, surely the Lord himself is on the move. God himself is moving through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's preaching in town after town and city after city and village after village. Verse 35 told us there that he preached in all the cities and villages and towns. Jesus is on the move and it is a great gospel move and we need God to move once again. Amen? A, 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 mission, a missions movement. And we need God to move and so this has caused many to ask the question, what moves God? What does it take for God to move? We read about the great moves of God and England's history and in North America's history and in Europe's history. What moves God? Uh, we find the answer to that in verse 36. It's not changed. The Bible says there, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Friend, you know that what moves the heart of God is none other than missions. What moves the heart of our Savior is still the need to reach the multitudes with the gospel. If somehow tonight we could open up the heart of God, and by the way, we do that every time we open up the Word of God, amen? We are looking into the very heart and mind of God on paper. But if we could open up the heart of God, we would see that God's heart is still to reach the multitudes with the gospel with the good news of Christ. There are many needs that humanity has all over this world. Uh, we have physical needs. We have uh, emotional needs. We have uh, uh, all types of health needs. My wife says I have special needs. Okay, but that's another uh, topic. But the Lord ministers to them all here in chapter 9. Look back with me at chapter 9, verse 2. Glance there at uh, the great city of Capernaum. This is Matthew's hometown. The great city on a hill, the Lord ministers many miracles here. In verse 2, you'll see that he uh, causes a man who is sick with the palsy to uh, rise up out of his bed and walk in power. In verse 9, look down there at verse uh, 9, you'll see that Jesus passed forth from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. He was not physically lame, but he was spiritually lame, and the Lord uh, enables him to rise and follow him. Uh, greater than that, in verse 20, uh, you'll see greater than the uh, man who was physically lame. There's a man with a, hor a woman with a horrible disease of blood. The Bible says there that she is healed with just a touch of the hem of his garment. Greater than even that, look at verse 25. It says there that when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand and the maid arose. Jesus raised a, a dead girl from the grave in power. And then if you look over there at verse 29, it says, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. Jesus gives the blind their sight. And then look lastly there at verse 33. It says, And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. But I submit to you tonight that greater than the seeing of the blind, greater than man's need to walk physically, greater than the casting out of demons, and even greater than the rising from the dead, there is a greater need of humanity that moves the heart of God in the text. And that is when he sees the multitudes without a savior. He is moved with compassion on them, so much so that he says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Oh, this has always been what's moved the heart of God. All the way uh, since the first sin of man, we immediately find God seeking out the sinner. As Adam had sinned, uh, we read there in the book of Genesis that the voice of God went walking through the cool of the garden saying, Adam, 
Where art thou? He's always sought out the sinner all the way through the pages of the Bible until when the fullness of time was come that God sent down his son to be born of a virgin to step into this sin-stained world to be our savior because he was moved. He was moved with compassion for us. I'm so glad that he moved all the way down from heaven to earth. Aren't you? Oh, he was moved not just emotionally, but it was love pushed into action that uh, he left hold on just remind yourself a minute he left the throne of glory he left the glories of heaven to step down into a manger a feeding trough and then go all the way to the cross and he didn't stop there but three days later he rose he moved out of the grave so that we you and i could be saved and justified and apply the blood to the mercy seat yes friend god was moved with compassion for us there's no question about that now maybe you're like me i've never been uh to israel I've never been to Capernaum there. I've never been to Samaria. The closest I've been is the island of Samar. Amen. That's uh, in the Philippines. That's Samaria. You know, that's, uh, those are the Samaritans. They're from the island of Samar. But uh, <coughs> if you cross the bridge from Lete, you are crossing over into Samaria. I must needs go through Samaria. But anyway, <coughs> hopefully nobody from Samar here. But uh, if you are, it's a great uh, place. Warai. I'm Warai Pera. All right? That means no money. But <coughs> uh, I've never been to Samaria, Israel, but... I've never seen these miracles, but there was a day when I was blind. I could not see my way. Uh, there was a day I was lame. I could not walk the Christian walk in my own strength. In fact, there was a day that I had an issue of blood, the Bible says. For it says, I was born in sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. In fact, there was a day I, I, I was dead in trespasses and sins. But I'm so glad that one day Jesus passed by my way amen, amen. And, he, and he saved if you're saved he saved you and, and put you on the right track as the old song says when i could not go to where he was he came to me oh there's no question tonight let's all agree on this there's no question god was moved for our souls mm-hmm. here's our question tonight are you moved god was moved god's still moving for uh, for souls but the question is are we moved are you moved I went to the Philippines, we would uh, have song requests tonight from the hymnal. Half of the hymnal is English, the other half is Tagalog. And uh, we get certain hymn requests, uh, send the light and, and Tagalog version of, of the songs. But I think today, the average song request in Baptist churches would be, I shall not be moved. <coughs> I shall not be, I shall not be moved. <coughs> but your theme is, why stand you here idle? God is looking for people to be moved. With the mission of God. Or we used to sing, standing on the promises, amen? Now it's sitting on the premises. <coughs> but God is looking for people who will be moved with the mission of God. Because the Lord knows that the disciples need moving here and, and uh, something is going to happen for them in chapter 9 and chapter 10 because up to this point, it's just been Jesus who's been preaching, Jesus himself who's been teaching. But now he is going to push his disciples into action, empower them, commission them, pass the burden onto them in this great mission conference of the, uh, of the uh, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem, if you will. And he says there that, that uh, he shows them what he sees in verse 36. Look there why the Lord is moved. It says he's moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted. And were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. What do you see 
when you look out at lost people. Now, we come across them every day. We saw 25 million represented uh, in one city in Manila. You realize if you took the whole population of British Columbia and you multiplied it times five and you squeezed it all into one tiny city, that's what you have today in Metro Manila. But what, what, what do we see? You see, if we see what Jesus sees, we will do what Jesus did. And we know the Lord saw people as souls. It says there that he saw them as fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And when I see scattered abroad, I, of course, think of Filipinos. Boy, there's, all of you are Filipinos abroad. Amen? <coughs> Every country in the world, I believe, has Filipinos. Amen. I think there's probably some Filipinos in, in Alaska selling ice candy successfully. Uh, they're just everywhere. Um, also, it, it, it's, a, it's a great movement. I mean, God, we know, scattered Jerusalem through persecution, but, but uh, there's a great missions movement going on through Southeast Asia, a lot through the Philippines, because there are Filipinos, you know this, by the thousands in Saudi Arabia and all those Muslim nations, and many of them are being won to Christ. And, and our desire is to see that part of the world impacted through, through Manila. But uh, he sees them there as fainted, scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. You know, those that with, are lost without God, they are fainted. It means they are hurting, weary, worn out. They are searching for something they know not what. Now the Jews here in view were, were searching for a Messiah, fainted in, in that hope. Uh, but humanity is, is hurting without God. Worse than that, there is sheep without a shepherd. Sheep having no shepherd. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were not leading people to God. Whether it was the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Herodians or the Romans, scattering them, in, uh, religiously speaking, but not leading them to God. But still it is today, in, in 2019, that religion will not lead anyone to God. It will not lead anyone to God, whether it's the Hindu world or the Buddhist world or the Muslim world or whether in the Philippines where they will, uh, the town I grew up in, they will beat their backs, penitentia, they will beat their backs bloody and some will be put on crosses to try to pay for their sins. But the, we know the blood of sinful man and the blood of bulls and goats will never atone for sin. It is only through the blood of Christ. But they're lost sheep without a shepherd and they must meet the, the saving shepherd of their souls for without him they will be lost eternally. We know these truths. But here, here's what's missing. Not only a condition of man we're aware of, but a compelling urgency that's on our heart. Because for the Lord, there is a great urgency here. Because in verse 35, the Bible said that he preached in all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, all throughout Galilee. We know the Lord is in his Galilean preaching ministry here. And uh, the historians tell us that there are over 200 cities in Galilee. And Jesus preached... According to the Bible there and in other scriptures, he preached in every single one of them. And after town after town and village after village, after all that ministry, he'd still look over the horizon and see multitudes without Christ. And it would break the heart of God and he would say the harvest truly is plenteous. And we would agree the harvest is plenteous. Amen. But do you realize when Jesus spoke those words in the first century? The population of the whole world at that time was estimated to be around 200 million people on this planet. Oh, but today we live in a world of 7.8 billion people and growing. 
You realize if you were to count from 1 to 7 billion, it would take you 250 years just to count that high. That's how many people are on this planet. If you want to see why there's an urgency in the heart of God, fast forward over with me in your Bibles to chapter 11. Look at verse 20. Chapter 11, verse 20. The Bible says, Then began he to upbraid the sinnies wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Look down at verse 23. It says, And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. This is the city where the words of the harvest are spoken. This is Matthew's hometown. And there still is a place called hell. Now this is urging on the heart of God. The, the, the greatness of the gospel and the implications thereof should create in us a great urgency to get the gospel out. I like what the old revivalist Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, we know Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in hell. And he said, and neither do most Christians. Let me ask you, do you believe in hell? I didn't ask if, if uh, you give a mental assent to it. I said, do you believe in hell? Because if we really believe that there was a place where those that die without God, uh, those words that would ring in, in Adonai Judson's mind, death and hell and death and hell, if we really believe there was a place that those do not, that do not hear the gospel, that do not receive the gospel, will spend eternity cut off from God, it ought to create in us a great urgency to get the gospel out. We ought to go out of here like a mighty army charged to do something for the cause of Christ. All oh, this is what moved the heart of God. You know, there are parts of the world where the population, of course, is astounding. But, but the gospel is to go everywhere, and it can be done. Now, the Lord is going to show his disciples the way forward. First, look back with me at chapter 9, verse 38. Quickly, look back at chapter 9, verse 38. Right after saying that there's a great need for the harvest, the first way forward, Jesus says in verse 38, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest to pray it is to pray for the mission let me ask you do you pray for god's prayer request now we pray for our own requests that's good and we pray for each other's requests that's that's even better but what about the lord's request in all of scripture this is jesus's prayer request okay some of us started praying in the maybe in the philippines you may have grew up in the catholic tradition you know, nang si Judas ay madulas, ngipi niya ay nalagas. But we have a misunderstanding and recited prayers. But this is the Lord's, you pray for what is on your heart. And what is on God's heart and what must be on our heart is this request that God would send forth labors. The power of missions is in prayer. There's no getting around that. No amount of dollars, U.S. or Canadian, no amount of pesos, no amount of finances can ever replace what prayer can do. Prayer can, can uh, accomplish whatever God can do. Prayer can penetrate. But the Apostle Paul himself begged the churches. He said, strive together with me in prayer because prayer can penetrate the, the, the darkest forces of Satan. Do you realize before it is go ye, before it is give ye, the first command is pray ye. Pray ye. I believe all of us can begin praying that God would send forth labor. That's why you, I know that you do that because that's why you have missions conference. Amen. 
We're praying about sending forth more laborers and supporting more missions work so that the gospel can advance even further. But we pray that God would send forth laborers. The Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. God calls people, Paul and Barnabas. God sends them. It's God who does that, but we have to pray. If, if, if the sending of laborers was limited to how much we pray for them, how many laborers would be sent? In God's Word, it's telling us that that's, that's the case. If we don't pray for laborers, how can we expect God to send laborers all over the world? There's much we can do after we've prayed, but there's nothing we can do with God's power until we have prayed. That's why it's God's prayer request. God desires all men to be saved, but he doesn't pray that way. His prayer request is that we would send forth laborers because the only way people can be saved is if somebody preaches to them. And they can only preach if they've been sent. And they can only be sent if we pray that God would send forth laborers. Oh, no amount of recommendations, no amount of deputation, no amount of planning and programs and social media and videos can ever uh, uh, substitute for the power of prayer. Uh, one missionary said this, the greatness of a church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. It's sending capacity to pray for laborers. Jesus himself prayed this way in Luke 6. We won't look at that for sake of time, but if you, if you wondered, will it work if I pray? Will it work if, if I add to my prayer list every day, God, send forth laborers? Yes, it will, because look what happens now at chapter 10. Quickly, look at chapter 10, verse 1. It says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Uh, it names them. Now look at verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into any way of the Gentiles, any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so number one is to pray. But number two there in verse 7 is to preach. We pray for the mission. And secondly, we preach the message. That is God's mission's plan. Now, isn't it amazing that the same people Jesus told to pray for laborers, now they are the laborers being sent forth. And that's why nobody wants to pray for laborers. They're afraid God is going to call on them. Many times it does work that way. Let me help you. If you're praying, God, send someone to witness to my co-worker, he probably wants to use you to do that. Amen? If you're praying, God, send someone to witness to my neighbor, he probably wants to use you to do that. And now he, he, he commissions his disciples to preach the message of the Savior. And I'm glad for every missionary, every pastor, every evangelist that is called to full-time service. But the truth is this. We've all been called to preach the message of the gospel. Amen? We have all been called to be witnesses for Christ. Listen to this quote. Do not ask God to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to move your feet. If you're not willing to move your feet. Today, in the churches, at least in America by and large, there are more banquets, there are more fellowships than ever before, there are more seminars, more tools, there are more self-help books, there are more uh, Christian cruises, there are more conferences, there are more commentaries, uh, but what, what, what builds churches is old-fashioned gospel preaching, amen? The preaching of the gospel that Christ commissioned here, and we, we all have that mandate upon us. It's not about titles, it's not about degrees. If you're a Christian, you are called to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I heard about the husband and wife in ministry together there in the States. The husband had earned his doctorate degree, uh, which was good, but then he told his wife, now you have to call me doctor uh, at the house all the time. Uh, but he didn't know his wife was working on her master's degree. And she got it. She said, now you have to call me master <coughs> all the days of your life. <coughs> so be careful with titles. But if you have the title of a Christian, if you're a blood-bought child of God, then you, have a, you need to realize you have a royal responsibility that it is your job to get the gospel to, to the harvest field that God has given you. And it is each local church's responsibility to get the gospel all over the world. So we are to preach the gospel. I love what he says in verse 7. As you go, preach. You can do that. I'll be a witness. Take some tracks as you go in and about your daily life. As you go to the supermarket, your job plates, the seafood. Is there a seafood city here? No seafood city. Oh, boy. Is there a Jollibee here? No Jollibee. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Uh, never mind. In Vancouver? Neither. Not there either. Okay. But as you go to the restaurant, as you go in and about your daily life, to be looking for opportunities to be a witness for Christ. And God will use you. God will move. Never underestimate uh, each time you, you share the gospel. God is the one who saves, but he uses laborers. He uses witnesses. For Christ. Now, we know the gospel is to go all over the world, but not every one of us individually may be called to uproot and move to Zambia or move to Somalia or move to the Manila or, or move to some far distant land. So what's the third and final way that missions moves forward in Matthew 10 here? Look with me at chapter 10, verse 8. It's to pray, it's to preach, but look at verse 8. The second part of the verse, he says, freely ye have received, freely give. Provide, he tells his apostles now, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey, uh, neither shoes. My wife needs to hear that part. No, I'm just kidding. But, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. You see, as the apostles were sent to travel all over Israel preaching, they were commanded there not to provide for their own even needs or necessities, but rather to, to live on faith and to preach the gospel without charge, to leave the fishing business and to leave for these men to leave the tax collecting business and to, to follow Christ full time. But to do that, at times, others were called to help provide the means. So number one, it's to pray for the mission. Number two, it's to preach the message where we are. But number three, it's to provide the means for worldwide missions. Now, everywhere we go, whether Canada or the States, if we talk about prayer, there's an amen. If we talk about preaching, if it's the southern United States, there's a hallelujah. If it's, uh, when we talk about providing, well, it goes down to a, a holy grunt or holy hush, especially in the Philippines. In the, Fili in the Philippines, we say the ones who do not give, those are the ones who sit right next to the electric fan. In the Philippines, the electric fan. And, and that's just how it is. But I understand when, when I was first called to preach, boy, uh, I struggle. Uh, we would just go downtown and, and preach downtown Oklahoma City and we would preach the gospel and no charge and we'd put our ties on and bring our Bibles and lined up outside of bars we would preach to them. But I remember the first time I was invited at, to a church as a young man and they gave me what was called 
a love offering. I didn't know how to, I almost said by the grace of God, I'll never stoop so low to take money for the preaching of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I've changed my position on, on that. <laughs> because the truth is, it's, it's God's plan that we would all partner together for the gospel. Amen. There are those, by God's grace, who can go, give their lives, give everything, sacrifice, and leave the comforts of, of North America and go to the mission field. But for those who are not called to go, it is our job to give, to hold the rope of missions, to go through our resources. The Apostle Paul said this, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Do you realize that? Do you believe that? The greatest investment on this earth is not Apple or Google or, or those things. The greatest investment is the mission work of God. Because you, in doing so, you lay up treasures in heaven. Every soul that is one to one of the missionaries you support. Every church that is started and churches that are started out of those churches and souls that are won by those soul winners, every, that goes to your account. If you give... To this church's faith promise mission, you have a part in that eternal dividend. What a great blessing that is. Think about how the gospel just grows and grows from one man, from, from the witness of the Apostle Paul there as he spoke to the church in Philippi. Boy, the gospel just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's the greatest investment that we can make this side of eternity. Second uh, Corinthians 10, we know that Paul again, he says, having hope that when your faith is Increased. Now, if it is increased, when it is increased, he says that we shall be enlarged by you to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Speaking of missions giving, when our faith is increased, when we give more. And we know those of us that grew up in a third world country that are now here in North America, we know how blessed we are. Amen. Amen. We know how blessed we are uh, here in Canada and the States. When we say we have no money, there's still money somewhere. Okay, maybe in the couch, maybe in the credit card. There's money somewhere. But in the Philippines, if we say there's no money, you can scratch everywhere in the wall. There's really no more money. <clears throat> Here we are so blessed. But God has blessed us to be a blessing to the world. Uh, we've been blessed materially. We've been blessed spiritually, the great legacy. And so there, there is a great responsibility that also lies there. We know that to whom much is given, much is required. Now, there was a lady in our church in Zambales. The average income at that time is uh, $2 a day. She lived below that, but she would grow vegetables in her garden and take them to the marketplace and sell them just to have something to give to faith, promise, missions. In the Philippines, if you saw that amount put in cents and dollars, you might think it is so small. Hey, but in God's eyes, that is a large offering. In God's eyes. Uh, the greatest offering in the Bible uh, was, was, was the middle's might and, and, and God's hands. When it's placed into God's hands, it can go a long way. Oh, we're called to be faithful. But the greatest example in praying, preaching, and especially providing is none other than the Lord himself. Amen? Oh, I'm so glad he prayed. I'm glad he preached. But way more than that, I'm so glad he provided. You realize he didn't just give a monetary amount. He didn't send a check. No, he sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the highest price that could ever be paid for us. It was the blood of his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, you know, the grace of God, the, of the Lord, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes 
he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Then Paul tells us abound in this grace also. He's our example. He gave his all so that we could be saved. Those of us that have been blessed, Paul would say, charge those that are rich in this world that they be ready to distribute. It is our job to support missions, to go to places where, where there is not economy, to go to places all, all over the world where the gospel is desperately needed. In conclusion, I want you to look back one last time to that great verse of chapter 9, verse 37. Uh, most of us have it memorized. Where he says there, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now, sometimes we interpret that to say it's the fields that are plenteous. That's true. But that's not all that Jesus says there. He says it's the harvest that's plenteous. The harvest are not just souls. The harvest are souls that are ready to get saved. And they're out there. They're here. In Vancouver area, they're here. Sorry, they're in Manila. They're all over the world. Souls that can be saved. The problem, according to the Lord, is not the harvest. The problem is the laborers. Nothing happens until somebody moves. In the great work of God, either you have a burden or you are a burden for the cause of Christ. I invite you tonight. To do what we've already heard. Seek a burden from God. Say, God, burden me tonight. Don't put it off any longer. Burden me tonight what you will have me to do for the great work of God. In prayer. In preaching. Maybe God will call you to some distant land. Maybe God will call you to be involved in the soul winner's ministry in a greater way. Maybe God will call you to give in a greater way to increase your faith. I invite you tonight to seek God for the burden of missions. Because according to the authority of the word of God, in that great commission, he says, go. You want a move of God? He says, go, and I will be with you all the way to the very end. Pastor, you come.